Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Warden, and I'm so pleased you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in. In this episode, the brilliant Dr. Sahar Rokhead returns. Now, Sahar has been on the show twice before, actually, talking about hormones, menopause, perimenopause, and more. But in this show, we take a real deep dive into all things thyroid. The issues around the thyroid are many, varied, and somewhat complicated. But the reason I wanted to create a dedicated show to it is because things like Hashimoto's disease, Graves disease, hyper and hypothyroidism, etc. are all conditions that I'm hearing more and more about. And as evidenced by the Facebook group when I asked if there'd be any interest in me creating this show, it's something that there's an equal amount of curiosity and confusion about me included. So this show is here to help. When I was younger and PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, was not as well known as it is now, I would see articles in magazines with headlines such as things like, you know, is this silent hormone disease making you fat or something like that. And I would like, yep, yep, me, yep. And I'd obviously read it and absorb everything and go off and take whatever supplement they told me. And I've noticed a similar sort of thing happening a lot recently with the thyroid. And it's that element of, we know a lot more about PCOS now. We know that it's, again, many and varied condition, but the information on it is far more accessible and far more available, which is very interesting. But with the thyroid, it seems to be that while we have a better understanding and more and more thyroid conditions are being diagnosed, there's still a bit of mystery, which is compounded by the fact that the symptoms, especially of an underactive thyroid, are the same sort of complaints any of us who are feeling busy, stressed, or overwhelmed would have and do feel. Things like being bloated, gaining weight, uh, being sluggish, all of the above. We'll get into it into the show, trust me. So who better to get on the podcast than Sahar, who is a hormone specialist and a doctor who not only breaks down the basics about everything thyroid, but also answers listener questions from the Facebook group, which is incredibly helpful. And I just wanted to do a bit of housekeeping on that. Sahar was incredibly generous with her time. She always is with this podcast, with me and this show, and I'm always so grateful to her. She gave me an hour during an incredibly busy day in a working practice. She's based at the Omnia Clinic in Knightsbridge, which is a a very busy clinic. And what happens with these listener question episodes is that obviously I go in wanting to get every single question answered, but I have to do editing on the hoof because I don't know what the answers will be. I am not the expert. So while I try to make sure everyone gets the information they want, you will hear me gloss over some of the questions because Sahar would have already covered off the relevant information in a previous answer and we were up against the clock. So apologies if you feel that your question doesn't get the attention that the others did. It's just because the information 
was already out there, had already been shared. I'm including links to everything we chat about in the show notes, which can be found wherever you are streaming and downloading this podcast. But I really hope you find this show useful. I want to create episodes that are of value to you, my brilliant listeners. And I would really like to hear if you like these kind of episodes, if you enjoy it when we get an expert on to come and really share their knowledge and expertise with the pod um, get in touch with me. Let me know. Why don't you contact me on thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or slide into my DMs on Instagram and Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns or join that Facebook group. That really is where a lot of discussions uh, either generate a podcast or happen after a podcast um, where we take the conversation a little bit further. It's been happening a lot with the bonus episodes, for example, and the conversations have been really positive and uplifting. And there's a real, really brilliant community of people in there who are incredibly supportive of each other. And I really am delighted to have um, have such a brilliant space for people to go pre and post show. Anyway, I feel like we should just get to Sahar, don't you? So here she is for her third time, can you believe? I think, is that a record? No, I think, well, she might be neck and neck with Nadine. Right, here we go. Here she is back again on all things thyroid, the brilliant Dr. Sahar Rocket. I know many listeners will be delighted, as am I, that Dr. Sahar Rocket is back on the podcast, bringing her expertise and je ne sais quoi on the show. Thank you for coming back. Thanks for having me. We are doing a special episode about the thyroid because it is uh, something of a mystery to a lot of people, but it's one of those things I definitely have heard of over the years of, um, have you had your, have you had your thyroid checked? And um, I haven't, <laughs> but it's one of those things that you can click and click a link on Twitter that says five signs that your thyroid is screwed up. And they do tend to be the symptoms of modern living, tiredness, maybe your weight not being where you want it to be, etc., etc. So I wanted to get Sahara on the show to just really unpick all of this and, and make it very clear and easy to understand. So shall we begin with... What is the thyroid? Okay, so um, as you said, Emma, it's something that a lot of people have heard of, but maybe don't know about in great detail. But the thyroid is a small butterfly-shaped gland that's in the middle of your neck. Mm -hmm. um, it's small but important because it produces hormones that affect your, metabol your metabolism, your energy, your mood... Um, your hair, your skin, mm -hmm. uh, so all things we kind of care about mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Um, and this gland in your neck produces um, hormones, so it's an endocrine system, mm -hmm. like your female hormones, but different, even mm -hmm. though there can be an overlap between the two. Um, and in terms of the hormones that the thyroid produces, uh, when your thyroid's in perfect balance, it's good for your your energy, mood, sleep, weight, you know, you feel really great and well balanced, mm -hmm. but it can sometimes be overactive mm -hmm. where you're producing too many hormones. And that's like putting an accelerator down on the car. Mm -hmm. 
So everything in your body speeds up. So you could be eating lots and then losing lots of weight. You might have diarrhea. Mm -hmm. You might be talking very quickly. Sometimes your eyes can become a bit puffy and bulgy. So everything's like a bit speeded up and a bit manic. And you might feel really happy and talk really quickly and have lots of different ideas. And you can't sleep because there's all these ideas in your mind. It's a bit manic. (laughs) Right. Um, Which sounds nice in theory, but probably isn't nice at all. Perfect for modern. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You'll be on like... (laughs) speed all the way through um and then you have hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. which is low thyroid Mm -hmm. and that's like having the brakes being pressed on Mm -hmm. the car so everything slows down you become slow sluggish your thoughts are slower you feel really tired all the time Mm -hmm. and want to sleep but even when you sleep you don't feel energized and rested um, you can become constipated. Mm-hmm. You might only be eating small amounts, but you'll be putting on weight from that. Um, so uh, you know, your hair can fall out as mm-hmm. well. Uh, dry skin. So everything's sort of slow and a bit sedate mm-hmm. and a bit low in mood. And yeah. So not like, like, you know, a bit not just calm. Calm's nice, mm-hmm. but just a bit flat and low, yeah, yeah. which isn't nice. No, not a nice place to be in no. whatsoever. And I very much did that thing last week where at exactly the same time as I was researching this episode, I, I did go on Twitter and there mm. was a five signs you have an underactive thyroid. And I went, yep, 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 yep. But I could equally just have genetically dry skin. I could also just be a bit overworked and tired because I'm not living my life properly Mm -hmm. because I'm on social media too much. I'm not getting, I've got my phone in the bedroom when I go to sleep. So what I'm trying to say is it doesn't mean I have to rush out and get a blood test. No, not necessarily. And I think that we all have to be quite honest with ourselves Mm -hmm. from time to time, even though it can be difficult. Mm -hmm. We don't want to at all times, but Um, You know, the three main symptoms of an underactive thyroid are weight gain, Mm -hmm. um, low mood and low energy. Well, I'm sure listeners listening to this and myself included Mm -hmm. could feel at least one of these things (laughs) most of the time. But that doesn't mean I have a thyroid problem. Sometimes... I wish maybe I had a thyroid problem and it's not just me eating too much and burning the candles at both ends. You know, I mean, like, it would be great of a medical excuse for the way I feel. A little bit of thyroxine yeah. with your porridge in the morning. <laughs> exactly, but I know that that's not, that is not what's going on. Mm. It's just being really busy, like you said, mm. you know, erratic sleep patterns, sort of hectic modern living, grabbing things that you know aren't mm. good for you to eat and then having some weight gain or... Um, you know, and, that, and also that affects your energy and your mm. mood as well, not eating the right things or too much sugar. So I think that the symptoms can overlap with so many things, modern yeah. living, mm. um, another hormone imbalance. Uh, you know, we've talked about high cortisol before. Mm. We've talked about female hormone imbalances. So high cortisol can uh, look the same as... It could, yeah, issue. yeah. So... That's why there can be an overlap for lots of different things. Mm. So it doesn't necessarily mean you've got a thyroid problem, Mm. but it does mean you have these symptoms. We just need to find the cause and try and address them. And is if you have a thyroid issue, be it hyper or hypo, is it something that you will have from birth or is it something you can develop and is it something that can be triggered? So you can be born with these issues. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the time they occur later on. 
Right. And that can be for hyper or hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism is commonest in women over 50. Hmm. Not men. Another <laughs> thing men get away with. It's more common in the women. Um, I just think anecdotally it probably is to do, uh, to do with menopause as well yeah, and having well. complete sort of hormone imbalances and then one triggering the other problem. Right. Um, so yeah, I think they can definitely be triggered by things mm. like stress, um, another hormone imbalance, um, a lifestyle issue. Mm. Um, the I, I don't think you did ask me this, but you know, some people ask me, oh, I've got this sort of thyroid imbalance. Am I going to have this for the rest of my life now? Mm-hmm. And if it's being triggered by something quite specific like stress or diet, um, I think that if that is addressed, then you might not need to be on medication for the rest of your life necessarily. But for a lot of people, it is a, a lifelong condition. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, so once you've tipped into it, potentially, whatever the factor may have been. Yeah, potentially, yeah. It could potentially be something think, that you then have to manage long Yeah, term. you can get improvement with taking supplements and iodine and, mm. you know, um, other things your thyroid needs like selenium and zinc. You know, there can be some improvement. Um, but I think a lot of the time, once you've sort of tipped into mm. the, the, the balance where the blood tests are completely irregular mm-hmm. that then then normally people do need medication in some shape or form okay well we'll talk about what those medications okay. are but um as soon as you read any article on thyroid mm-hmm. it talks about t4 t3 t2 t1 yes. now this is very confusing for me because my <laughs> halls of residence at university i was in t block and ah, i was on t4 okay so it always makes me think yeah. really irrelevant side note sorry people but so what are is it is it easy to explain what t4 t3 yeah. okay fine yeah okay so Basically, if we talk about the specific thyroid hormones, our brain produces a hormone called thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH, Mm -hmm. which does, like the name suggests, Mm -hmm. stimulate the thyroid gland. So the signal from the brain tells the thyroid to make thyroid hormones. That's Mm -hmm. the TSH. The thyroid gland then produces the hormones, so there's T1 and T2, which are made in quite small amounts mm-hmm. and don't have that much sort of benefit in terms of the symptoms and the way you would feel. The two main ones are T4, also known as thyroxine, mm-hmm. and T3, known as leothyronine. This mm-hmm. is why we call them T4 and T3. It's much easier to say. <laughs> so we must just stick with that for now, I think. So your brain tells the thyroid to make T4. Mm-hmm. And that's all well and good and it's important, but that mainly has to convert to T3 because that's the most potent thyroid hormone. Mm-hmm. So, and it does that through an um, enzyme process. Okay. So that's why when, um, when your thyroid's functioning normally, you have a low TSH level because it's told the thyroid to work. The thyroid's then made high or good levels of T3 and T4. And then that sends another signal to the brain to go, we've got enough thyroid now, turn off the TSH. So a good functioning thyroid is a low level of TSH and a sort of high within normal level of T4 and T3. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if... So if T3, T4 are out of balance, see, you can tell I wasn't very good at algebra or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> is T is an is a surplus of T4 when you're hyper and a surplus of T3 when you're hypo? 
No, no. a surplus of T4 and T3, mm-hmm. so an excess of them, mm-hmm. is normally a sign of the hyper-overactive thyroid, right. was low levels of the T4 and T3 would be a sign of a low-functioning hypothyroid. But in terms of the TSH, which is what most GPs test for, an overactive thyroid, hyper, produces a very low level of TSH Mm -hmm. because basically the signaling from the brain is no longer working, the thyroid gland's producing tons and tons of hormones Mm -hmm. and it's not switching off the, the signal from the brain. Or signal from brain suppressed because mm-hmm. it doesn't need to produce anymore yeah. because there's plenty there. So you get a low TSH. But in hypo or low thyroid, you have a high level of TSH mm-hmm. because it's like sending out a signal to the thyroid going, hey, make more hormones, work, work. And it isn't working. Oh, I see. Okay. So that's normally the thing that a GP will test for if you ask for a thyroid function mm-hmm. test. Now... It is not my um, agenda at any point to diminish um, GPs, but we've spoken about this on the podcast before about what um, a test ordered by a GP will come back as normal might be something that if I came to you, you might say you are in the normal range, but you're at the edges of it. And so I would address it. So it's a very difficult question in many ways. If somebody gets a normal result. Yeah but thinks, I'm sure, and is honest with themselves, has that conversation, looks at themselves in the mirror and says, am I being honest here? What's the best course of action if you think, actually, I need a more detailed test? So um, in terms of what a GP can do, they are sometimes a bit limited. Mm -hmm. So generally, a GP can request a TSH test very easily, Mm -hmm. maybe even a T4, but a lot of GPs aren't allowed to request a T3 yeah. test. So it's not that they're being difficult or not trying to help you. Mm. But even if they write to the lab and they tick the box in the form, the lab may reject it and go, why do you want that? Mm. And, you know, that's because different areas have different sort of um, resources and mm. GPs are allowed to order some things and specialists like endocrinologists can mm. order other things. Um, but... Some of my patients, um, because you know, private blood tests can be expensive as well. Some of my patients get things like this check through MediChecks and mm-hmm. other labs like that, um, because they're like, well, you know, I really want my T3 checking, and I've asked my GP, and my GP's not been able to do it, and then they can get a more detailed thyroid profile through doing something like that. So that's something you can actually go and do yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, that's good to know. Yeah. So there's options out there if you're not able to get all the tests done that you want to through your GP. And what I'll try to do, listeners, is put the link to that. That's obviously a UK resource. But see if I can find any um, resources available in other countries as well, because I know we have an international audience, so we want to try and make this available to everybody. Sure. One question I wanted uh, to ask you is, is it possible to have a thyroid issue and live a completely normal life and not even necessarily register that you have an issue? Um, you mean like a, a properly clinical diagnosis with with the blood tests mm-hmm. being abnormal? Yeah. Um, I I would say you would probably need some support in some shape or form mm-hmm. to to 
live your best life, right. so to speak. But um, and that could be in terms of supplementation or medication. Mm-hmm. But I think if your blood tests are showing clinically, mm-hmm. look, your thyroid is hyper or hypo mm. then you probably would need some sort of intervention but with that intervention you could leave uh, lead a perfectly normal life and the reason i'm mentioning that is mm-hmm. to come back to this idea of the signs of a underactive thyroid specifically do seem to be things that we all in the modern day and age complain about so yeah if you say oh i'm fine sometimes but not the other that does if you have a thyroid issue it's likely to be consistent is that right yeah okay yeah that's the path I was yeah. trying to lead us down with that one. I have um, a funny thyroid story. I'm sure my friend won't mind me telling this story. Please but do. Um, you know, we were, you know, it's a friend who I spent a lot of time with and she lost a lot of weight and she was looking great. She was very happy and exercising loads. And she's like, oh, I think I've lost all this weight because I just walk five miles every day and I feel amazing and I can eat what I like. And I'm like really in tune with myself at the moment. feel amazing. And then on blood tests, she found out that she was hyperthyroid and it was a new thing it was a new (gasps) thing and initially she felt fantastic right but then she couldn't sleep and then her thoughts were all jumbled all the Mm. time and then her heart oh that was it she's getting palpitations all the time heart was racing she said this isn't right i need to go see my doctor and then they're like oh yeah you're hyperthyroid you probably have been for those six months where you were feeling amazing but now it's just gone. Yeah, and then it went too far. And then she had to have medical treatment and she's absolutely fine now. Interesting. So you might think that hyperthyroidism is like the way to yeah, be, but actually... Not necessarily. You need to be brought back down or not. Mm. Okay, I think specifically, I think a lot of the people in the Facebook group, and we are going to get to some questions yeah. on that, are dealing with slow... Hypo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the more common one, really. Another another subject I wanted to bring into it, because it was the first question that came into the group, actually, mm-hmm. but I wanted to just do it slightly isolated with you here, is to talk about um, thyroid and hormones. You've already said it's part mm. of the endocrine system. Yes. It's a bit like adrenal glands in that it's another s- small, small thing yeah. that has a big impact. Oh, definitely, yeah. That's what I... Uh, and we do need to do an episode on adrenal fatigue whether one believes in it or not. But there we go. So in terms of hormones and in relation to PCOS, is there a link between the thyroid and having PCOS? Well, the symptoms have quite a big overlap. Mm. And um, it doesn't necessarily mean because you've got PCOS, you're going to have a thyroid problem. Mm. But I think it would be sensible to have your thyroid checked Mm. because otherwise you're just constantly thinking, oh, it's just my PCOS. Mm -hmm. Why aren't things getting any better? But then actually it could also be your thyroid. So, you know, it has to be looked at really. Okay. That's very, very interesting. And because there is a huge amount of overlap. So if someone comes into you, putting you on the spot and they're presenting with all of the symptoms that could be either or mm. and you you can only get one test how do you make that call um is there something symptomatic or visible in the patient that yeah you? yeah sometimes i mean you know you'd sometimes say look i think we need to get these all these tests done but it's not always possible because mm. like i said budget can sometimes yeah. be a constraint so we'll go right okay it sounds like from what you're saying you know this is more of a maybe a female hormone mm-hmm. thing. So let's start with that, mm-hmm. see where we are with that. And then maybe next time we look at the thyroid as well. Or sometimes people have, have, have nice GPs and they're like, I'll ask my GP and maybe they'll do a few of the tests as well to, to help. Okay. And again, hair loss, that's come up a lot on this podcast. Yeah. 
that's obviously one that sits in both camps, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. As is, as is, I've said dry hair. Dry. I think I mean dry skin. Yeah, dry skin too. Um, yeah, and a lot of the visible. Um, aesthetic signs mm. are those ones that would sit in that central column or yeah. apply to both yeah um so it's a case of with thyroid a lot of people notice that the outer parts of their eyebrows thin oh. so they lose like the outer third of their eyebrow or their eyelashes get thinner as well that's the sort of thing a woman would be quite aware of, really. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. says, touching her eyelashes. <laughs> well, I had eyelash extensions a few months ago, ah. and I, my lashes are still feeling very, very fine. Oh. <laughs> but, um, right, I think we should get into the group. Okay. Get into the group. Get into the groove. <laughs> um, but have we covered the basics? Do you feel... Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of thyroid blood tests, there are a few other tests that can be done other than ones like that, that I've mentioned, mm -hmm. the TSH, T3 and T4. Um, you can also check for thyroid antibodies. I've heard about this. Yeah. So these are antibodies that can your body can be producing and they might start attacking your thyroid. Mm -hmm. And that could be the reason why your thyroid is not working so well. Is that Hashimoto's? Yes, Hashimoto's. Aye. There we are. There's a sweet somewhere. <laughs> a lollipop, I'll get it before the end of the show. Yeah, so um, that's an autoimmune thyroid disorder. Okay, so let's take that off because autoimmune has actually been in the news and press a lot and there's I definitely know more and more people are getting tested for it. Yeah. So why is that a current slash new thing that people are uh, focusing on? So... What what we're not sure of is it is it is it being diagnosed more because people are more aware of it, mm -hmm. so they're asking about it, or is it again a sign of modern living? Right. Because one of the things that can help to reduce the antibodies being elevated is cutting out gluten. And I'm not scaremongering about gluten or anything like that, but I think it's the fact that it's quite overprocessed. Yes. And that can affect the antibodies. And just, again, remind me what the antibodies do, just in case anyone else is slightly lost, because I'm not very good at keeping up with linear things like this. Okay, so they are cells that your body is producing, mm -hmm. which it shouldn't be producing. Right. And they then turn and can attack the thyroid. Okay. There are other autoimmune diseases too. Um, so you can get um, cells that your body produces that attacks your joints, and that can be rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. Celiac disease is another example of an autoimmune disease, as is lupus. Mm -hmm. So there are quite a few different ones. It's not always thyroid, right. but it's just something to be aware of that it can affect your thyroid. And um, Hashimoto's, is that the only other thyroid-related yeah. autoimmune disease? Okay, fine. Yeah. Let's go into the group. Okay. Because I know that um, uh, my dear pal... She's not my dear pal. She's been on the get uh, on the show. Michelle Visage yeah. has Hashimoto's, ah. and she is a gluten free vegan. Yeah, <clears throat> which sounds like a lot of. <laughs> I fear it. I I couldn't be that organised. <laughs> well, I could for my health, I'm sure. Right. So let's go into these questions. And like like I said, there are a lot. So uh, there's 44. Wow. <laughs> And there are some supplementaries on some of these. So I'm trying, listeners, Sahar's time. She's very, we're in a working practice today. She's given up um, a big chunk of her time. So I'm going to try and cover off everybody while still being respectful of the fact that she's being so generous. Right. So Rachel has said in the group, I have PCOS. What's the best way of helping myself with my thyroid not to cause me further problems? 
Now, um, Rachel, was it? Yes, and just she, she added something. I asked her okay, for yeah. information. She's, and I said, what's the real... And she said, I really struggle with losing weight no matter what I do. And when I was diagnosed with PCOS, they just said you might struggle to conceive. That's exactly what happened to me when I was 17. Is there, are there any specific foods or vitamins or even tablets that could help me or anything I should really avoid? Yeah, so with Rachel, what I'm not sure of is if she actually has a, a thyroid problem or if it's just something she's worried about because she's got one hormone problem already. Mm. So I'd say the first thing to do is to get a test with her GP mm. and I'm sure they'd be obliging because they know about the PCOS, mm-hmm. PCOS already. Um, in terms of the weight loss, that can be a tricky one because mm. PCOS can make you a little bit insulin resistant. So it means that it can be harder to lose weight for that reason. And if that's the case, a common treatment is sometimes to use a medication called metformin um, that can help make your body more sensitive to mm-hmm. sugars so you can process sugars and burn fat more easily. So maybe this is something she could speak to her doctor about mm-hmm. and um, and explain, you know, I am trying to lose weight. It's mm-hmm. very difficult for me. Can I get my thyroid checked just to, to see if that's an issue? And can I also uh, perhaps consider metformin as a trial to see if that helps me lose weight? Mm-hmm. Okay. In terms of not conceiving, because I know that can kind of feel like, you know, something hanging over you, um, it's not always the case at all. It's not always the case. From personal experience, when I was 17 and I was diagnosed, I was told you're probably going to have to go through some sort of fertility treatment. Mm. And when you did my blood test, what, 18 months ago, yeah. one of the things you said is, I don't know if you know this, but you're actually quite fertile. Yeah, so I think it's kind of an old school mentality. Mm. Oh, you've got PCOS, you won't be able to conceive. But that's definitely not the case anymore, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Well, we come on to fertility again with Fiona, who says, what is the impact of hyperthyroidism on fertility, please? And anything we can do ourselves to help the condition, diet, exercise, lifestyle, and so on. Mm. So again, um, if you have uncontrolled hyper or hypothyroidism it can reduce your fertility does uncontrolled mean without not managed so it doesn't have to be medication but Mm. you know supplements it has to be managed in some way um so if the thyroid function tests are not within normal and you know Mm. optimum within normal then it can affect your chances of conceiving. So it's important to make sure it's well-balanced. But if it is well-balanced, then there's no reason why you can't go into conceive. Mm-hmm. And when uh, pregnant women who have hyper or hypothyroidism, they, they, they go under consultant care and they have regular blood tests because your thyroid function changes when you're pregnant as well. Oh, um, so it's well monitored and then mm-hmm. doses are adjusted accordingly. Okay. That's that's um, very comforting to know. Yeah. Um, in addition to medication, what else can help manage hypothyroidism? Um, would you recommend a particular diet? And then there's a supplementary question from someone else saying, any advice on particular supplements to support thyroid function and, and anything to avoid to get the best out of thyroxine? Actually, sorry, that's quite a lot. <laughs> right, so in addition to medication, what else can help manage hypothyroidism? Is there mm. a particular diet? Um, so uh, there's a, a book by Amy Myers, um, which is more for autoimmune thyroid, but it is important for, for thyroid overall. Um, so I'd say that if you were... Can I just quickly ask that? So yeah. hypothyroidism, hypothyroidism, yeah. and, and 
autoimmune thyroidism, three different categories. Yeah. Got you. So all under the thyroid umbrella, Mm -hmm. but all a little bit different. One is fast, one is slow, one is attacking itself. Yes. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Like a biology lesson, right? (laughs) Sorry. I just really needed to to clarify just in my own head so I can get Mm. these questions right. Um, Sorry, carry on. So certain things that can help an underactive thyroid can be things like avoiding gluten, being on a more paleo-type diet. Mm -hmm. Um, The types of supplements that are important are things like selenium, zinc, iodine. So all our salt used to be iodized, but we don't consume that much salt anymore and our salt is not iodized anymore. So if you have a thyroid issue, um, you know, or, or if you just feel your thyroid is an optimum, so maybe you've seen the doctor, they said your thyroid is fine, but you feel it maybe isn't, and it Mm. could be a bit better within what's classed as normal, Mm. then taking these sort of supplements can be of benefit. Okay. That's interesting. So they were selenium. Selenium. Which you get in Brazil nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, iodine. Iodine. And zinc. And zinc. Okay. Yeah. Lovely. And then any advice uh, on supplements to support thyroid function and anything to avoid to get the best out of thyroxine? So I guess that's a supplement question from somebody who is currently taking thyroxine. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I think it's fine to take the sort of supplements I've mentioned mm. alongside your medication, but you'd still want to get your levels yeah. checked to make sure it doesn't become hyper thyroid you know if you're taking iodine and medication and selenium and all these things then you would want to keep a a closer monitor on your levels at least initially Um, to make sure they're not going overactive the medication for hypo is thyroxine yes because that's boosting yeah and sorry what is the medication for hypo uh hyper uh so there's a medication one of the medications uh helps to suppress the thyroid called carbimazole um and also sometimes people have to have sort of the the radio iodine type treatment to kind of you know sort of shut off some of the activity in the thyroid got you um kaz says i've read that as i am dairy free by need rather than choice Mm -hmm. i should take iodine supplement to prevent thyroid issues is this true um, I, I don't think necessarily because she's dairy free, if she wants to take an iodine supplement, then that probably wouldn't do any harm. It might be a good idea to get some baseline tests, mm. though, because if her thyroid function is absolutely perfect, then we don't need to do anything yeah. with that at the yeah. moment. Um, but I don't think we necessarily have to take it because of the, the, the being dairy free. Got you. Um, <clears throat> would love to know what I can do apart from levothyroxine, mm-hmm. levothyroxine. Yeah. Have Graves' disease. We should probably go into what Graves' disease actually is. Um, is that the, the uh, name for when it's slow? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, yeah, a specific type of low thyroid. Uh, Graves' disease and had radioactive iodine treatment two years mm. ago and swung to hypo. Mm. Had my bloods done last week and TSH is seven. Mm. I just want to say at this point, Sahara is giving us a lot of her time. We can't, it can't obviously become a personal consultation. And my doctor has increased my levels again, just getting so frustrated at not having it under control and living with the side effects. I know I'm not the worst case, but it's been eight years since I first got diagnosed. I guess the takeaway from that is 
can it take a while to yeah it can do it can do so um in terms of medication so it's a graves disease we were uh overactive and then swung into underactive with the um radio mm-hmm. treatment which can happen it's quite common actually okay. um and then you know again being on the levothyroxine it can take a while to find the balance um in terms of seeing your gp generally they will give you levothyroxine um in say in in the states it might be common to give levothyroxine with the combination of t3 mm-hmm. that isn't as common in the uk um but it you know can become common in other countries like mm. you said you've got listeners all all around yeah. the world and in other countries as well they often give something called natural desiccated thyroid or ndt mm-hmm. which is um animal thyroid in fact so it's animal from uh pig or cow actual thyroid oh, um nice. and it's some people feel that this works really well for them because they feel it's animal based it's bioidentical it's not synthetic mm-hmm. and it works well with their body um i've seen patients who do take it and some of them do feel great on it mm-hmm. um I wouldn't necessarily say it's better than taking levothyroxine because I see as many people who take levothyroxine who also feel great. Mm. So I think that it can be a little bit of what works better for you as an individual. Mm. But generally in the UK, um, levothyroxine is the main medication used. I think the thing I'm getting from this already is the fact that... um I answer that Twitter thing, five signs you've got an, an underactive thyroid yeah. and think it's just fixable with, hi, Sarah, can I have some thyroxine? Thanks, yeah. bye. And actually it's it's a management process yeah. and it's not a quick fix. It's not, And I think we're quite um, sort of going off tangent a, a little bit. Like if your hormones are out of whack or if you get acne as a 17-year-old girl, you go on birth control and it's yeah. like a pill, a pill, a pill. And actually the thyroid is a big deal yeah. and it's worth playing around with it not playing around with it but making sure you're um not just uh, blanketing it i'm not is that the right thing like it's not cookie cutter one size fits all no, like your thyroid all. is unique treat it as such yeah yeah like you don't like not everyone's on the same dose of levothyroxine yeah. some people might just need a really tiny amount yeah. and then other people can be on like you know 300 milligrams which is micrograms which is a big amount (laughs) so you know it does vary from individual to individual and i remember when i got diagnosed with pcos um my specialist at the time just put me on dianet this Mm. is many years 20 years over 20 years ago dianet and that that was it and my other friends were on metformin and spironolactone yeah and i was livid but actually you know it's not not everybody can take the same thing yeah. and everyone has different reasons so chill right um jody says i've been on levothyroxine since september and ever since i've developed really acneic skin which i've never mm. had before she's 27 um she spends a lot of money on and invests in good skincare yeah. anything else i can do the doctor says it will hopefully settle but it's been 17 weeks so what's that four or five months yeah so i guess the first thing to do is also to have the levels checked mm-hmm. and to make sure that they're within normal and you, you know you're not going into overactive thyroid which could cause the skin to be greasier and have more acne um the other thing is you know the levothyroxine is made by different drug companies so there could be a possibility of just trying a different brand perhaps asking Mm -hmm. the gp if you could try a different brand and see if that works better for you because i've seen that have good effect with some patients okay 
I didn't even think of something like that. Wow, how amazing. Natalie says, I'm on a baby dose of L-troxin, 25 micrograms a day. Mm. Through diet, lifestyle improvements, could I possibly reach a point where I'm able to come off? Was put on it last spring after two blood tests and also have a family history of thyroid. Mm. And Doc felt my cholesterol was a little high, 3.5. She's 42. Okay. So, um, you know, possibly, possibly, because it's only a small dose. Mm. Um, I do notice these things can run in families. Yes. Um, that's quite common when I see someone say, oh gosh, you know, your thyroid isn't quite right. Or they go, oh, I'm not that surprised because my mum's got it. My sister's got it as well. So it does run in families, but that shouldn't discourage, um, the lady from trying to make lifestyle changes, improve diet, Mm -hmm. exercise, manage weight and see if all those things, and also take some of the supplements we've mentioned. Maybe that will have a positive impact. Here, Sarah says, first of all, she's really looking forward to the show. Great. Thanks, Sarah. (laughs) What do terms like T3, T4, TH, and sorry, TSH, and thyroid antibodies mean in single language? I would hope that we have (laughs) covered that. Yeah. Um, It would be great to know whether long-term medication for hyperthyroidism is safe or whether ongoing management using medication should stop after a certain amount of time and instead be dealt with by surgery or radioactive iodine treatment. So most of the time, hyperthyroidism is dealt with by a consultant endocrinologist Mm -hmm. and they'd be monitoring things and just, you know, making sure the Mm -hmm. medication is being done in a safe possible way. It's not something that I would normally manage myself in clinic, Mm -hmm. whereas most GPs, you know, are very happy to manage an underactive thyroid. Um, So I would maybe assume that she is under a specialist, Um, And if she isn't, she should ask to be under a specialist Mm -hmm. and it can be monitored that way. And then she'll feel more confident that it's being done in a safe way. And then here as well, she says, I understand that carbimazole Carbimazole is not safe during pregnancy and that alternative medication should be used. How long should someone have been off carbimazole before trying to have a baby and can pregnancy make an overactive thyroid worse? It can make it worse. (laughs) I think I did say that not too long ago. Um, And again, these are questions for the specialist. And if she was to find full pregnant, she would have to be under specialist care anyway. Yeah. Amanda says, there's lots of talk about anyone having Hashimoto's avoiding gluten is avoided. Is is that true? So again, we did briefly mention that. Now, if you stop taking gluten and you look for your antibodies to change, it can take up to 18 months. It's a slow process. So sometimes people might go, oh, I'm going to stop gluten for two months. Can you recheck my antibodies? I'm like, oh, they're the same. And they're like, oh, no, what am I doing this for? So always make sure people know it's a long process. It's a commitment, not a quick fix. So also the listener who said it's been eight years and she's not found a balance yet, actually, that's not actually that beyond the realms of possibility. Yeah, I mean, it is a a long time, I guess, eight years. But, um, you know, I think that's when you'd be looking at, you know, talking to your your doctor about sort of, you know, quite specific dosing, Mm. looking at adding in some of the supplements to try and balance it. Also looking at what could be lifestyle related as well. But 18 months to have an impact... On the antibodies, yeah. By emitting gluten. Yeah, it's a long time. That is a long time. Amber, my mum is 75 and just diagnosed with hypothyroid. It turns out my grandmother had it too. Mm. My mum's mum and my auntie, my mum's sister. Is there a good chance I'll get it? What might I be able to do now to avoid getting it? She's currently 42. Okay, well, I don't think it necessarily means you're going to get it just because it's in the family, but that that is quite a strong family history as Mm. well. So... 
Again, I'd be getting my thyroid checked on a, a regular basis, yearly or two yearly, mm-hmm. just to keep a check on it to make sure it's not quietly going off the rails yeah. without me realising. Um, and there'd be, you know, probably no harm taking a, a thyroid multivitamin, so to speak. You can get thyroid supplements. I've got all the nutrients you need for your thyroid. Okay, we'll have and, to put a link to yeah, one of those in the show notes. Maybe something like that could be of use. Lovely. Um, Gillian says, I have an underactive thyroid brackets Hashimoto's are they the same thing um so you can have an underactive thyroid without uh it being Hashimoto's yeah so it means it hers is due to the antibodies right and I think I'm under under medicated as I have some underactive thyroid symptoms Mm -hmm. but because my blood's come back within the normal range my GP will not alter my dosage are the blood ranges too broad for individualized medicine as others above, I really struggle to lose weight. And any advice, Ari, this would be very, very gratefully received. Hmm. And then she's also said, should I be asking for a copy of my blood blood tests and looking for trends myself? Um, yeah, I think that's a really good thing to do. I think it's quite empowering yep. to kind of take control of it and monitor it and look at it from your perspective as well. Um, in terms of the ranges, this can be a source of frustration mm-hmm. for a, a lot of patients because... If I give the example of T4, thyroxine, uh, for most labs, the normal range is 12 to 22. So that's quite a big range. Mm. So yours could be 13 and technically you're normal. But if yours was 18, Mm. maybe you'd feel a lot better. So this can be quite frustrating for patients if they're you know, if they're saying, well, I I don't feel quite right, I'm on medication, I I don't know what Mm. this lady's levels are. But say if they're in the lower end of normal, she could be, well, you know, if they were a few points higher, I might Mm. feel feel better in myself. So I think that um, it is good to to look at your results yourself, to to look at the ranges, see where you are within the range, look for the trends Mm. as well, and then maybe have a discussion with your doctor about that. And also I think it's important to say that the GP's role is not to necessarily keep doing blood test after blood test after blood yeah. test. After a certain point, if you do want more details, that's probably when you're going to have to go private or look at another yeah. option for these blood tests because GPs are a resource that are under a huge amount of strain. Yeah, they are. Um, uh, Gillian, uh, sorry, Laura says, I ha- agrees with the above and says, I had half a thyroid removed 12 years ago due to a non-cancerous growth but I have many potential thyroid issue symptoms, yet when I have had blood tests, they are still within the normal range, according to the GP. So again, that to mm. me sounds like someone who should maybe invest in that specialist care, yeah. ask the GP for a referral. Yeah. Because it is beyond the realms of... It sounds like yeah. the you know the GP, their hands are tied, they feel, look, this isn't within normals, nothing I can do about it. So maybe it's a good idea to see a doctor that deals with a lot of thyroid issues Mm. or even you know a nutritionist who has some insight into Mm. what can be good for thyroid health and work with it that way as well miles said how easily diagnosed are thyroid conditions every few years my gp often asked me if i've been tested for a thyroid condition and my initial results always come back clear but still my hashimoto's like symptoms persist but a hashimoto's type symptoms the modern living things that it could be Yeah, it could be. Because like I said before, these symptoms could be due to so many Mm. different things. And I think that if the thyroid tests are coming back normal and they're, you know, optimum in the range, then just have to Mm. 
face facts that you don't have a thyroid issue. Well, but that's, that's that, a crucial thing, isn't it? Yeah. Optimum in the range. Because you can yeah. say, because I've had the printout before from my GP, yeah. where they'll give the number, mm-hmm. but actually if you say, what's the range? And then you can tell. Yeah. Then it's up to you whether you investigate further. Mm. Um, Josie says, I have an underactive thyroid that was picked up when trying for children, mm. have been on levo- levothyroxine ever since, so I had a major side effect, um, right, been on ever since so i had no major side effects as caught early appreciate many do struggle with weight gain sweating hair loss and now i'm in my mid-40s and struggling with weight a bit it's easy to put it on and difficult to lose i've Mm. always used thyroid as an excuse as my gp told me even if my levels are normal i'll put on weight more easily and find it more difficult to lose than someone with no thyroid problems doctor recently changed and new one has disagreed with that advice and said once (laughs) levels are normal i'm the same as everyone else I do think my lifestyle has something to do with weight gain too, too much wine, not enough exercise. That's, I mean, it goes on, but it's, um, yeah, that's that thing you said earlier about yeah. having an honest conversation. And I'd be that. inclined to agree with the, the second doctor again, if the levels mm. are within normal and they're good, um, then it shouldn't necessarily be causing the, the weight gain, uh, and the difficulty <clears throat> to, to lose it. But then obviously that, you know, yeah. relies on the levels being quite optimum as well. And then, uh, also, are yearly blood tests enough, or should I see a hormone expert? Um, I'd say probably. Um, I would normally recommend um, a twice yearly blood test if the, the levels are within normal. Any change of dose, I normally recheck the tests at two to three months. Okay. Um, I had high. I have had hypothyroidism since giving birth to my son fifteen years ago. I've been on medication for thirteen of those fifteen years. I've just recently been to a hormone specialist, and they have me on levothyroxine and testosterone. I have mm. felt better than I have in years. Now I need to lose weight as feel quite normal again. Is there a particular diet I should follow? I've tried low calorie and I literally lose maybe half a pound a month and that's frustrating. I feel as though I should be losing at least five pounds a month so any help would be appreciated. Mm. So again, I think um, a, quite a paleo diet, mm. um, if you can tolerate it, can be of help but we are all different yeah. in terms of what works for us. So I know for some patients intermittent, intermittent fasting is the best thing they do but Mm. for other people they cannot do that because they'll be collapsing Mm. from not eating so um i think you know there are lots of different diets out there and it's not the one is better for Mm. you than the other one um although you know there is a lot of good evidence for the ketogenic diet which is quite high fat protein no carb yeah (laughs) i find that very difficult actually but you know a lot of people do once they get into the sort of ketosis Mm. they do feel very good uh paleo is more protein than than fat Mm. um so i think that you know there are lots of different diets and it's good to sort of try them and maybe the low calorie isn't working because maybe it is sort of carb heavy or, or sugar heavy for this this lady so I do think that the the diets get very very complicated yeah. in terms of having to live one particular lifestyle. Yeah. I always I always look back a generation and I used to when I was a kid I used to go around to my neighbor's house and and my neighbor Pat like a big big bloke worked with his hands he was a laborer and he'd have a plowman's every lunchtime. Yeah. And I just sort of think maybe it's maybe we need to stop dicking around with it for want of a better mm. choice of words in yeah. the moment. Um and I don't know, do you have a stance on calories in, calories out? Um, yeah, I think calories in, calories out are important. Mm. I think what's equally important is the nutritional content of the calories Macros, in you're, yeah. you're putting in. So 
because, you know, you could be like, well, I'm only going to have a few chocolates today and nothing else, but that's going to still be spiking your insulin. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be burning fat from that. So, yeah, I think, you know, the actual nutritional quality of what you're eating is quite important too. Because I know, and I'm not projecting on any, well, I am projecting on all of you here, (laughs) but I know that if somebody says to me, oh, you should eat more nuts, then all it takes is one trip to the health food shop and I've eaten 500 grams of Brazil nuts at my desk in the afternoon. And that's like three months worth of calories (laughs) and a massive overdose of selenium. But anyway, um, so yes, I think just sort of maybe not, not diving headfirst too much, Mm. I think. That's my own advice. I think it's a little bit back to basics as well because we have all these sort of like diets out there, do paleo, do keto, do IF, you know, do all these things. But actually... Um, you know, a lot of us just need to go back to basics and go, right, okay, let's be realistic about what I am eating. Keep a food diary. Mm. Whoa. Now it's all written down on a piece of paper. There is a lot of food that's like gone on here. And then some people use apps like MyFitnessPal to track it. I use that. Um, So, you know, these are, you know, we could just go back to being mindful, first Mm. of all, because we have so much of an excess of everything everywhere. And then, you know, pop into the staff room, just grab a piece of cake or chocolate without even thinking about it and you know we're all guilty of it yeah um so i think just sort of being mindful can be the first step and being Mm. like honest about it and actually start logging it Mm. and then it just becomes quite real go whoa have i eaten all this stuff or (coughs) no wonder i'm not losing weight you know um i did intermittent fasting last year for 26 habits and i'm do i do it i would say 80 percent of the time yeah and I'm doing it at the moment. And the thing for me is I don't feel like it makes... I don't feel like it affects my weight necessarily. Mm. But I feel like it definitely helps my digestion. And I bloat a lot less. Yeah. And then I get the other benefits of I sleep a lot better. Yeah. And my um, focus... <laughs> how funny. My um, <laughs> finds and looks for the word. My focus and attention seem to be a lot sharper. But... Um, yeah, so it's not necessarily a weight loss thing. Yeah. Um, da, 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 let's go through. You've got so many. Uh, Faye, how can issues with thyroids affect right fertility in relation to miscarriage? Mm. So you do have a higher rate of miscarriage with a non-managed thyroid, but if your thyroid is being well managed with medication or whatever you're doing, mm. then it wouldn't be affected. Then okay. Um, Anna says, I have hypothyroidism. I do take hormones every day. Is it still normal to keep feeling symptoms like difficulties in losing weight and feeling sleepy? So that's a difficult one because it it could be due to the thyroid or it could Mm. be due to other things. And I think that it's important um, for Anna to to look at that and just think, you know, is this purely due to thyroid Mm. or... Could it be, you know, part of lifestyle as well? Yeah, the thing, it's, it's quite easy to... It would be so lovely, wouldn't it, to yeah. say, I've got a sluggish thyroid and here's some thyroxine and you're now slim. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the dream, it's a dream, it? yeah. You're slim and we all want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that's not necessarily... You know, even if you had a perfectly functioning thyroid, if you're eating... yeah a poor diet you're not yeah. sleeping enough you're not getting yeah. regular exercise there's a lot of stress mm-hmm. there's a lot of sugar all these things could affect sort of energy and sleep yeah um <clears throat> would be a brilliant nicola's coming right just at the right time would be great to understand about more about stress and the thyroid mm. do high levels of stress impact tsh levels yes and does an underactive thyroid affect anxiety um possibly possibly i mean um it definitely affects mood and i Mm -hmm. guess if you're sort of prone to anxiety 
you know, that could happen. Although with hyperthyroid, you can feel more anxious because of the racing heart mm. and the sort of thoughts whirling yeah. a lot. Yeah. But, um, you know, we are all different and it's, you know, it could be anxiety rather than low mood if you have a, mm-hmm. a low thyroid. Uh, but yeah, definitely stress would have an impact on that. Okay. Um, Mel says, and she says how timely this is. I have been having episodes of double vision and ended up spending most of Friday in an emergency eye clinic. Oh dear. Uh, they did something called an AMSLA. Is that right? AMSLA? AMSLA? Um, uh, that you focus on grid lines. The doctor said it showed muscle weakness in my eyes and often that indicates a thyroid issue. Okay. Um, I've been sent for a blood test and also for possible anemia as well as thyroid. Are eye issues and double vision more likely to be linked to an underactive thyroid? She's now got to wait for an MRI scan. Uh, well, so I think, you know, it could be thyroid related, like the doctor said, mm. but not necessarily. So it sounds like she's having good care. Mm. Sounds like she's being thoroughly investigated. Yeah. And I hope they get to the bottom yeah. of it. Agreed. She's you're definitely in good hands. Yeah. Alexa, I know I'm not alone in my frustration with finding medical professionals who take Hashimoto's and other thyroid conditions seriously. Mm. Brain fog and fatigue have been brushed off by all. I often feel dismissed especially when dealing with endocrinologists. How can people more effective self-advocates and find medical professional who respect our symptoms? Yeah, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because Sorry, like... I feel like that doc- that's doctor bashing. <laughs> I know it's probably not at all what Alexa intends. It is yeah, very Yeah, it's frustration, isn't it? And like, we can all feel that way, you know, if we have symptoms mm. and they're not being looked at or you're saying oh you know i'm still having these symptoms or but your blood tests are normal and you're like but it's affecting my quality of life i completely understand that it's very frustrating but i think that's when sometimes you know you have to be your own advocate and go okay i've seen the conventional specialists and i'm not getting the answers i want so i'm gonna have a look for someone who does more integrative medicine or functional medicine or has a different way of working Mm. and unfortunately you know sometimes you have to take matters into your own hands but it's not necessarily unfortunately because if you feel better for it then you know you regain your quality of life but also i think it's important again to say here if you are having tests and they're coming back normal or they're being managed but you still have brain fog it could just be it could be lifestyle it could be lifestyle it might not be that you're being dismissed it might be that there's a, a sort of a sense of maybe where you've taken action with medication take action with changes in yeah. diet etc yeah um which blood test uh oh right okay so which blood test do nhs gps do for thyroid as a general rule as i've heard they aren't doing all the tests needed for diagnosing problems that might be quite a big broad yeah so we kind of talked about yeah. that because gps always do the tsh and often the t4 but they can't always do the t3 and the antibodies mm-hmm. and there's another test called the reverse t3 that shows how effective your T3 levels actually are, and your GP probably won't be able to do that. So sometimes, you know, if you've had the basic tests done and they came back normal, but you want a more thorough blood test, you might need to look into having that done privately because your GP can't always do that. Um, uh, Claire asks, is there anything that can be done as far as lifestyle and diet? Apologies, we've already covered this. Um, Also, Emma, is there... Oh, no. That's a separate thing. Yeah. Um, so we've covered this. Yes, there are absolutely supplements yeah. and lifestyle changes you can make. Yeah, lots um, of things. 
and we've covered what the best ways are. Sorry, we're coming to the end of the questions now, so there are obviously going to be your petitions. Sure. Um, we've also had a question about the best ways to aid an underactive thyroid, and mm. I believe that we have uh, addressed Yeah, those. I mean, you know, there's lots of different supplements you can look at. I know I've mentioned a few, but, you know, it sometimes can be worth making sure your vitamin D is optimum because that can also help your thyroids work more effectively. Um, you know, sometimes taking an omega-3 because that's anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. So that could help the thyroid work more effectively as well. Um, if it's autoimmune, things like that are, um, you know, good for the immune system, like vitamin C can be of help. Alpha-lipoic acid can be of help. N-acetylcysteine can be of help. So there's lots of mm. different things that you can do. Um, what I think wouldn't be helpful is for someone to go out and buy all these things and just take them all and go, yeah. you know, so I think that it's a step-by-step -step process. Mm. Number one is always lifestyle. What's going on in lifestyle? What's going on in diet? Are you exercising? How can you manage your stress? How can you manage your vices? That's always the foundations to everything. And then from there, we'd go, right, what supplements could be of benefit now? Maybe I'll take a thyroid multivitamin or, you know, something along those lines or try a little bit of iodine and then sort of build it up from there step by step. Slow but sure, don't look for something yeah. that will fix it within, you know, you'll wake up tomorrow or next week feeling completely Yeah, different. and I think unfortunately what we've sort of gathered from listening to all these questions mm. and thyroid is a slow process. So even if you've got yeah. a barn door diagnosis and lots of people feel they, they aren't being diagnosed or they should be diagnosed, but even with a perfect diagnosis based on blood tests, it can still take a long time to feel better. Um, it's, it's lots of the same actually. Um, so I'm just going to, I think we've come to the end of them because there are very much like, how can I naturally support yeah. how, what the supplements that I can take? Um, and I do think that we've covered off all the mm. questions that have come in. And then there are also resources online, like the British Thyroid Society mm. or Thyroid UK. Mm. And they tend to have forums. And, you know, of course, it's just people sharing their experiences. But sometimes, you know, you might get a helpful hint or recommendation yeah. of a practitioner or something like that. So it can always be worth looking into things like that as well. Yeah, so <clears throat> say you had a, a, a doctor who perhaps wasn't telling you what you wanted to hear yeah. and you were convinced that you needed to go down a different route and you wanted mm. to find a different uh, doctor to maybe investigate whether it's a second opinion or just whatever. Um, would you, what's the best resource for that? Um, Do you literally go to Google and go, doctor who understands the thyroid? <laughs> I think that um, the frustration that a lot of people are having with their thyroids is because when you go see your GP or your endocrinologist, it's literally like, what are your symptoms? But what these are the blood tests. Mm. Now, when you look at things from a more functional or integrative medical perspective, you're looking at the whole picture. And, you know, the consultations are longer and they take more time. Mm. Um, so it's a bit more thorough from that perspective. So I would probably say not to dismiss anything the doctor's doing at all, because what they're doing is important. Mm. But when you feel you have this slightly suboptimal thyroid or you have symptoms can't get to the bottom of them maybe look for a, a nutritionist or a doctor or a naturopath that does functional or integrative medicine mm -hmm. and they would probably take the more holistic approach and then maybe be able to look at different things with you and go okay so the thyroid on paper is normal but your symptoms are not okay and they impact your quality of life so 
what else could be going on. Maybe it's the cortisol mm. affecting the thyroid. Maybe it's your other hormones. Maybe it's, um, you know, the stress, the diet, the lifestyle. Um, maybe there's a vitamin and mineral imbalance somewhere else. Maybe yeah. there's toxicity, uh, you know, mercury or things like that going on in the body and try and unravel the picture. That's genius advice. Like a little medical detective. Because <laughs> it, it would be so brilliant, as, as I've said, just, yeah, this is your problem here, take this, and you instantly feel better. But actually, sometimes you do have to be your own detective. Yeah. And as you say, be really honest with yourself. Yeah. Are you eating the right sort of things? Mm. Or are you eating the right things, but too much of them? Because that's well, also absolutely. no good. Absolutely. There's yeah. no yeah. Two, <laughs> two chicken breasts with a salad is still double the calories. Yeah. Of um that used to be my thing. Like nibble on a chicken breast while I then made like chicken salad. <laughs> um thank you. I feel I really hope that has been of use. Um I hope that people who sent in questions feel like they either got what they wanted from it or are now armed with the information to go off in um a new direction yeah. and maybe look in a look up a new resource or maybe try some supplements yeah and well, to I'm... not feel frustrated by it and mm. feel like you know this sort of condition or the symptoms are controlling your life mm. it's about regaining control yeah. of things and there are resources out there and there are ways of doing that yes um so thank you so much for your time it's as ever has been an absolute delight and an education and i thank you very much for being so generous Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, I just wanted to give you a little reminder. If you want to get in touch with me, it is so easy. Please do email me on thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I really want to hear from you. It would really make my day. If an email seems like too much fuss, just slide into my DMs on Twitter and Instagram or I'm at Emma Guns or join the Facebook group. The link to join will be in the show notes, which can be found wherever you are streaming and downloading this episode. Speaking of which, if you get the opportunity to click five stars, leave a review, wherever it is that you are listening, that would be really awesome too. It helps these self-published podcasts like mine stand out on massive podcast platforms. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you found value in that show. I can't wait to see you on the next one.